You're listening to a podcast from the Tudor Institute Ireland Conference. The seventh annual Tudor Institute Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference took place at NUI Galway in August 2017. The conference was generously supported by the College of Arts, Social Sciences and Celtic Studies at NUI Galway, the School of Humanities at NUI Galway, the Moore Institute at NUI Galway, the Disciplines of History and English at NUI Galway, the Women's History Association of Ireland and Marsh's Library. As in previous years, the majority of papers were recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media, in association with UCD's History Hub. There are now more than 180 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences freely available. To access this archive, go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts or visit tudorstuartireland.com. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Kieran Hoare from NUI Galway. His paper was entitled UCG, GAHS and Early Modern Ireland. And first of all, thanks a million to the organisers for, um, uh, for allowing me to speak and also, I suppose, for allowing the Galway Archaeological and Historical Society to be involved in the conference as well. I think all of us, to some degree, think about place and history. Concepts and perceptions of place drive historical scholarship. When we look at Galway, for example, we think of its place in Ireland, the British Isles, Europe and the wider Atlantic world. If it is true to say that in an Irish setting that all politics is local, then it is perhaps also true of history. When you wander around a town like Galway, you tend to read the history of the town, uh, what the roundstone-based writer Tim Robinson has termed reading the stones, each of us adding layers of meaning to our research. It struck me recently that this sense of place could easily apply to the university here also. And this is where the idea for for this paper came from. Uh, Other themes emerge. Galway is a university town. The university has been the focus of scholarly endeavour for over 150 years. It has been at the heart of education, health and culture within the town. Staff and students have figured prominently in town life during that time. It is interesting to apply this link between town and gown to that between academic and local history. The Galway Archaeological and Historical Society, founded in 1900, has tapped into that link and what we now call public history has had a long tradition in Galway. This brings me to one final theme I want to look at and that's the writing of early modern Ireland from Galway. Uh, Uniquely in an Irish setting from 1914 until recently, there has been a professor teaching and researching early modern Ireland in this university. Uh, This reflected not only in the history writing to come out of here, but also in the interests of students from the university who have uh, stayed in academia, as well as in Galway's sense of itself uh, in later medieval and early modern times. There are certainly other tropes that could be used to view this historiography, uh, identity, gender and class, for example. But in utilising place, I hope to examine one set of connections within the writing of early modern Ireland. Uh, And I suppose I'm focusing on the professors in, in, in this talk. The first historian I would like to talk about today is Professor Mary J. Donovan O'Sullivan, Um, Professor of History at University College Galway from 1914 to 1957. Um, She was born in Fairhill here in Galway in 1887 and was educated by the Dominican Sisters in Taylor's Hill. 
Um, it was noted of the Dominican Sisters, for example, in, in uh, Professor O'Sullivan's obituary, the school of a community whose monastery was founded in 1644 and the members of which have had ever since a distinguished and almost continual association with the town. Um, during this, her secondary education, she set preparatory grade exams uh, here in the university um, in a lecture marking the centenary of the Galway College Almost 50 years later, she recalled, and this is Mary Donovan O'Sullivan writing, the Centre for the Girls' Examinations in Galway uh, was this very room, the Aula Maxima of Queen's College, as it was then. I remember well the great occasion when I entered this room for the first time. It was a landmark in my life. The very atmosphere of the place gripped me. I decided there and then I was going to come up to the university. So year after year, until I was 17 years of age, I came into this Aula Maxima to sit for my examinations. Then, at length, the day came when I entered as a fully-fledged student. She excelled academically in secondary education, and this continued into university. She was holder of the Brown Scholarship for Modern Languages, securing an Honours MA in Modern Languages, and was awarded a studentship of the Royal University of Ireland. On graduation, she spent some time in the University of Marburg, and was subsequently appointed to lecture in history under Professor William Fitzjohn Trench, uh, who is Professor of History, English Literature and Mental Science. Uh, the three were in together. Uh, she attributed her literary ability and interest uh, in original research uh, to, to Professor Trench. On Trench's resignation to take up a position in Trinity in 1912, she applied for the professorship, uh, but was unsuccessful, with Max Drennan being appointed. Um, O'Sullivan then became Drennan's assistant. Um, in 1914, uh, Professor Drennan was appointed Professor of English, Language and Literature, uh, with Professor O'Sullivan then being appointed Professor of History, with special reference to Irish history. Um, she did not step into a vacuum uh, with this appointment. The position of Professor of History had been a bone of contention from the foundation of the Queen's Colleges and certainly in Queen's College Galway also. Um, while the Galway Vindicator newspaper uh, could enthuse about the new college, new college when it was founded in uh, 1845 and it stated, what an advancement from the Gothic barbarism and presumptive ignorance of the hedge to the bright polish and intellectual refinement of the university. So you can see kind of the, 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 the mindset there. Um, there were certainly class concerns, what Daniel O'Connell labelling the, the universities a university for ploughboys, as well as their non-sectarian character uh, leading to the Appalachian Godless Colleges. A conference of Catholic pre prelates at the time demanded Catholic professors for a number of subjects, and while this was re rejected by the authorities, there were acknowledged difficulties in the teaching of history in a mixed college. In Galway, both history and English were assigned to the same professor and the first three vice presidents or registrars of the college held it with logic and metaphysics added to it in 1883 and interestingly these are the other two disciplines that were taught to be difficult to teach in a mixed college. As late as 1914 with Professor O'Sullivan's appointment there were still concerns being expressed at governing body level here about the appointment of a professor of history. 
In terms of her academic output, perhaps she is best known for her work Old Galway, covering the history of the town in the 16th and 17th centuries. Published by W. Heffer and Sons, Cambridge in, 40, in uh, 1942 even, the production of such a well-designed book in wartime was in itself an achievement. The contents of the book show the importance of place to Professor O'Sullivan. In espousing the idea of the city-state for Galway, she was following the historiographical trends of the time and the markers set out by such writers as Alice Stopford Green and E.M. Carus Wilson. From her papers held here at NUI Galway, it is clear that she utilised primary sources in meticulous detail. While we, may, while we may today question the validity of Professor O'Sullivan's thinking, as well as her understanding of the... Uh, sorry, uh, while we may today question the validity of the concept of the independent city-state in the case of Galway, the centrality of place in Professor O'Sullivan's thinking, as well as her understanding of historiographical trends and methodologies, produced a work on an early modern Irish town which remains unsurpassed. Professor O'Sullivan's association with the Galway Archaeological and Historical Society began when she joined in March 1914, the same year as she was uh, appointed professor. Elected to the committee five years later, in March 1919, she served in a variety of roles on the committee, secretary, treasurer and editor of the Society's journal until January 1951, kind of combining the three roles. She basically ran the Society. Um, within the Galway Archaeological and Historical Society Committee um, from the 1930s onwards, there was a clear division between the older generation of academics and the younger generation who were politically and culturally nationalist, uh, focused on the new state and uh, were strongly advocating change and innovation. It is important not to overstate these differences, but with Professor O'Sullivan's retirement in 1951, there was a clear shift in focus uh, in, in the society. Uh, Professor O'Sullivan has quite rightly been the subject of academic attention in terms of women's suffrage, support for the British Armed Forces in World War I, and indeed as a lone voice against what she saw as the shortcomings of the newly formed Irish Free State. But I would argue that uh, there is also a loyalty to her native place and perhaps to a political and social, uh, political and class version of Galway, which she outlived. The focus has been on the clashes of personality and politics uh, in what's been written about her uh, within uh, both UCG and the GAHS. But perhaps we should focus on her commitment to learning and culture, her meticulous research and her efforts to maintain the position of academic and public history within Galway. Um, the second uh, historian I wish to talk about uh, briefly is Gerard Anthony Hayes McCoy, who was born on the 15th of August 1911 in Galway. Hayes McCoy received his early education from the Patrician Brothers here in Galway. From 1928 to 1932, he was a student scholarship holder at UCG, graduating in 1932 with a Bachelor of Commerce and a Bachelor of Arts with first class honours in both. Mary Donovan O'Sullivan was one of his professors, uh, and Liam O'Brien, Professor of Romantic Languages, was also seen as a stimulating influence. At the time, Hayes McCoy was a member of the Republican Club, a committee member of the Literary and Debating Society, and in 1931 he was one of the founding members of the new Irish Students Association. He pursued a PhD at the University of Edinburgh, uh, which was conferred in July 1934, 
and spent two years in the Institute of Historical Research London in uh, the Tudor Seminar of J.E. Neal, rewriting his PhD and eventually publishing it as Scots Mercenary Forces in Ireland, uh, 1565 to 1603. In the absence of an academic post, Hayes McCoy became the assistant keeper of the Art and Industrial Division of the National Museum of Ireland from 1939 to 1959, earning high reputation by continued research and by publishing, uh, and this led to Hayes McCoy's receipt of the D.Lit degree from the National University and his membership of the Royal Irish Academy in 1950. Having begun writing for the press at an early age, uh, G. Hayes McCoy's public position at the museum encouraged him to go further, and uh, the papers which are deposited here um, show his broad involvement in local history groups uh, to whom he presented papers, uh, to his work for press, and also for work with radio and television, which was innovative at the time. To the National and Galway Press, he usually contributed articles on military aspects of Irish history, as well as book reviews, but he also used them as a platform to engage uh, in what he saw as the flows in the education and history in Ireland. On Irish radio and television, Hayes McCoy was most active in the mid-1960s, editing and contributing to the Thomas Davis Lecture Series, writing scripts for a series of 30 children's programmes on all aspects of Irish history and in preparing the television series Irish Battles and The Long Winter. In 1959, Hayes McCoy succeeded to the chair of his former uh, history professor at UCG with the full remit of lecturing in English, administering examinations to undergraduates and supervising postgraduate theses. Among those of his students who continued in the field of history were Nicholas Canney, Martin Cohen, uh, Patrick Melvin, Peter Toner, Tony Claffey and Brown Donnerbrick. In the early 1960s, Hayes McCoy became a spokesperson for the movement uh, rekindled by the Old Galway Society to preserve the landmark Lions Tower. Uh, the ultimate failure of this campaign informed Hayes McCoy's regret expressed a year later that Ireland was forgetful about its past and that we, and I'll quote, we don't bother uh, to find out about it or to maintain our ancient heritage. And he stated on the perceived spirit of conformity, take my own city of Galway. It is now more prosperous than it ever was, but it is no longer distinctive. I do not believe that it is essential for progress that we should lose our heritage. The third historian uh, I want to know briefly is Garod MacNichol, uh, who took up a lecturing position in history in July 1971, became professor in 1977, uh, a post he retained until 1997. Born in Hull in 1932, receiving his education from the Marist priests there, he entered the University of Leeds in 1950, specialising in medieval French and Latin. His research efforts were very much uh, focused on medieval Ireland and early, going into early modern Ireland. Um, this was combined with an abiding interest in the Irish language, and he published a lot in, in Irish. His PhD thesis, Capaci Lee Nanielga, was completed, on, completed under Brian, Brian O'Queeve in 1956 in UCD. And these were followed by the monographs Namanaglia in Erin, uh, published in 1959, and his acclaimed two-volume work, Nabergeshi, in 1964, along with numerous articles and transcripts of primary sources. Uh, as I stated earlier, he came to UCG in 1971 after stints 
at the National Library of Ireland and the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies. In term of, terms of the place of Galway within his research, he would have had uh, been a long-standing member of the Galway Archaeological and Historical Society, uh, briefly reviving Galvia, which was the Irish language publication of the university in 1978. He also wrote articles on medieval Galway, which appeared in various publications, doing much to increase our understanding of the foundations and functioning of the town. Now, the next two historians need no, no introduction to you, so I'll, I'll keep it brief. Uh, the fourth historian I wish to say a few words on is Professor Nicholas Canny. As a historian, Professor Canny um, needs no introduction, as I say. He was born in Clifton in 1944 and educated in Clifton-Ora National School, St. Flannan's and Ennis, and University College Galway, graduating from here with a BA in 1964 and an MA in 1967. He was a research student of the Institute of Historical Research from 1969 to 70, graduating with a PhD from the University of Pennsylvania in 1971, returning to lecture in UCG in 1972. Took a number of teaching, research and administrative roles in the course of his career here, including the Professorship of History in 1977, who's the founding director of the Moore Institute here uh, from 2000 to 2011, and was vice president of research from 2005 to 2008. Uh, later becoming president of the Royal Irish Academy from 2008 to 2011, um, and the structure of humanities research in Ireland owes much to his efforts in these roles. His publications list uh, is impressive, writing or edited nine major books with over 55 articles and reviews. Um, always aware of the bigger picture, he has been instrumental in shaping historiographical debates around the Elizabethan colonial efforts in Ireland, the ideology of Edmund Spencer, the evolution of British Empire and the evolution of the field of what we now call Atlantic history. As well as supervising research associated with early modern Galway, he has also published on the subject, most notably on the era from the Reformation to the penal laws in the town, as well as an article on the possibility or otherwise of Columbus visiting Galway. Um, the fifth and final historian I, I wish to make reference to today is Professor Stephen Ellis, Educated in Manchester University, he joined the history department here in 1976 and was appointed professor in 1991. With over 155 publications, his research has been instrumental in areas such as Tudor Ireland, the English Far North, New British History, as well as frontiers and regions in a European context. His work uh, with European colleagues has opened up new research opportunities and during his time as head of history, Several innovations here in teaching were established. A number of his research students have published in the Journal of the Galway Archaeological and Historical Society. So I'm kind of very aware that basically it sounds like a, a set of uh, uh, biographies. Um, but really, in conclusion, what I've tried to do in this paper is look at five different early modern historians who have been historians of history here at NUI Galway. Um, although they are in different historiographical spaces, what I've hopefully shown is how a sense of place, uh, be it in a university or in the town of Galway, uh, would have influenced their writings and their teachings to a greater or lesser extent. While there are, these are preliminary observations, the hope is that it may open up a discussion on writing in early modern Irish history beyond the Pale or outside of Dublin, as well as regionalism in Irish history writing. 
At the very least, it should highlight the long association between the department here and writing of early modern history, as well as a tradition of writing about early modern Galway. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Tudor and Stuart Ireland conference podcast. If you would like to access the archive of more than 180 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences, please go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts. All podcasts are freely available on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on the annual Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference, visit the conference website at tudorstuartireland.com.